This is a Federal News Network podcast. Long controversial, the vaccine mandate for military service members has been killed off by the 2023 National Defense Authorization Law just enacted. So now what? Can fired service members rejoin? We get some answers from the managing partner at the law firm Tully Rinky, Tony Kuhn. Tony, good to have you back. Thanks for having me. What does the law say and what does it force the DOD to do now precisely? So the law, uh, once enacted, gave the military branches 30 days to strike down their their, uh, vaccine mandate policies. For the time being, what those military branches have done is essentially just froze those individuals where they are. So if they were being processed for separation, they are discontinuing the processing. And for anybody who has a pending religious or medical accommodation, most of those individuals, they will just um, discontinue the processing of those accommodation requests and just keep those individuals in the military. But the question now becomes, what are they going to do with all the individuals who have been separated or who, who have gotten out of the military? And the answer is, well, it, it depends on how they got out or the reason for the separation. Before we get there, I just want to ask people that are in process now that are still in the service. Mm-hmm. Basically, then they, the applications for exceptions that they were mostly turning down, the deciders can really put those in the shredder, correct? That's correct. So we have quite a few individuals who were uh, had exemption requests pending, and you're you're right. I mean, most of them were turned down. In fact, nearly all of them just received a blanket letter, and and their exemption requests weren't even considered. Uh, they would get a blanket denial. Everybody got the same form, and they have been kind of uh, dragging on. So now that this now that this policy is stricken, those individuals will no longer have to pursue those exemption requests. And for those that were denied earlier and now are out of the military, was there a period of time between the denial? You can almost imagine someone sitting there stamping denied, next sheet, denied, next sheet, denied, next sheet, with a big, huge stamp. Did those people have a few days to get ready to leave or were they summarily out the day the rubber hit the stamp? Well, unfortunately, that's that's pretty much how it worked, too. Uh, they, they just processed them and, like I said, send the same, sent the same letter to just about everybody. Uh, so those individuals had some time. There are steps that Uh, the military branch is required to put them through before separating them. So not all of them have been separated. Uh, We we, we know the number, we believe the number is somewhere around 8,400 service members have been separated from the COVID vaccine, the individuals who refuse to get the vaccine. But what you don't see there, what's not being reported by the military branch, uh, any of the military branches actually, is, is the actual number. So you see the number of individuals who were separated and attributed directly to a refusal to get the vaccine. But what you don't see is there's probably four or five to one for, uh, of every one of those individuals. It's people who retired when they didn't plan on retiring. It's people who were no longer allowed to reenlist. It's people who refused to reenlist because they refused to get the vaccine. So while the number that's being published is 8,400, I think the number is probably more around 30,000 have been separated or forced to get out because they refused to get the vaccine. In other words, based on my experience, both as an attorney and a service member. So those people had an exit ramp other than just kicked out. Here's your duffel bag. There's the gate. They, as you say, retired or just didn't realist. Right. And in, in many of those situations, it's individuals with 15 or more years, combat veterans, you know, people who spent a, a large portion of their life working towards a pension and towards a retirement. They've been forced to get out and, and were no longer able to pursue that retirement. So we're hoping now that those individuals, especially the ones who didn't get punished for not getting the vaccine, we're hoping that those individuals will have uh, the easiest path back in. Right. In other words, stay where you are. Don't head to the gate. You're still in. Right. And just to 
And, and, and there's a lot of people in that situation. And before we get to the ones that are out, if you were forced out, say, among that 8,400 that we know were simply kicked out, mm-hmm. does that then not entitle them to Veterans Affairs benefits? Because they were, would that have been a less than honorable discharge? No. So in order to qualify for most VA benefits, most Veterans Affairs benefits, you just have to have, you have to be considered a veteran and all of those individuals would be considered veterans. And you have to have some type of honorable discharge. And there's a couple types. So there's the full honorable discharge that we all know. That's that's the best discharge. That's where you're going to get all of your veterans benefits. There is also what's called a general discharge, which is under honorable conditions. For And, and I believe more than 80% of the people who were forced out received a general discharge. Individuals with a general discharge can collect service-connected compensation, that monthly payment for injuries sustained while in the military, but they are not eligible for things like educational benefits, the GI Bill, things of that nature. Um, so I expect that there will be a policy to correct what happened with those individuals in the future. I hope that the government does the right thing and, and uh, upgrades the, the discharges for those individuals. Certainly they can file with the Board for Correction of Military Records for a discharge upgrade as well, and I, I think that it would be granted. I, I expect a policy in the future that will fix those issues. We are speaking with Tony Kuhn. He's managing partner at the law firm Tully Rinke. And now let's get to the issue of those that want to come back that might have been just recently thrown out, if you will, that could re-enlist or is there a mechanism for them to just return to duty as if nothing happened? There isn't yet. Again, I hope the government does the right thing and creates some type of fast track to get those individuals back into the military. But typically how an individual in that situation is handled is they will be treated like prior service. They will go and speak to a recruiter. The recruiter will look into their background. And depending on the discharge classification, so did they get an honorable, uh, a general, or an other than honorable, depending on that classification and what's called an RE code, which is listed on their DD-214, that RE code will determine whether an individual can go back into the military without having to jump through any hurdles. And it could be a one, two, three, or four. Uh, Ones and twos will get in pretty easily. They probably also have an honorable discharge. Uh, Individuals with a four aren't going to be able to, to get back into the military without first going to a board to correct that number. So anybody who was separated, they'll be treated like prior service. Uh, they'll have to clear through MEPS most likely. I believe there's a two-year window on that. So if they get back in quickly enough, they may not have to go through the full MEPS processing again, which is where they, they do a, a full physical evaluation of the individual. Now, obviously, many people who are combat veterans and who have put you know, maybe 10, 15 years of their life into the military have some injuries That's, that, that comes with the, the territory. So those individuals will have to clear medically if they don't come back in quickly enough. Uh, so my recommendation to those individuals uh, is if you are considering getting back in and working towards your pension, especially if you're someone who has 10 or 15 years in, right. uh, do it soon. And and the quicker you get in, the easier it will be for you. And just to be clear, the law, the NDAA, specified that the DOD has to suspend the policy or end that policy of vaccine mandate, but it did not order DOD to create a mechanism for the people they're under discharge to be able to come back easily. That's correct. What what happened here is that the DOD recognized that this was a big part of destroying readiness for the military. So um, we hit around 40% of our recruiting numbers this year. Uh, people refused to reenlist. People refused to join the military. And we lost, I think, tens of thousands of individuals around, you know, service members around this, this mandate. So recognizing that error, they have gone back and they're trying to correct this error to rebuild the strength and readiness of our military 
military because we're nowhere near as ready as we should be right now. My hope is that they will create a policy to get these individuals back into the military as quickly as possible. Tony Kuhn is managing partner at the law firm Tully Rinke. As always, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive wherever you get your podcasts. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics, I, um, one of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually, usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit, you know, they, they basically were in direct care. And, and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my, my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but, uh, the, the men and women that do take care of people with uh, profound disabilities are, are really, um, you know, we, we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're, they're really heroes. And, um, so I was, I was drawn when I, I, and I just saw that, you know, Special Olympics was looking for someone. And I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, uh, send in my information. And lo and behold, I, I, I get hired and, um, I learn. Uh, every day, almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington, D.C. And, you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused uh has a has a good story like it can just turn a day around for you and 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 you think of i i you know often when you'll walk away i'll be like you know whatever was bothering me or whatever is you know stressing me out and come on you know like look at look at terrell like he 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 faces everything with optimism and 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 i've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the united states and globally you see people who have had everything stacked against them you know, their parents, when they were born, were often told this is a tragedy and you should, you should, you know, send your, this child away. Don't, don't, you know, and kind of forget about them, Get, turn them over to the state or, or wherever. And, and, you know, that, you know, just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and, and, and in, in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and, but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know, and, but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming and, uh, and, and, you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through 
all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I, Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more, uh, we get more than we give. Uh, working with Special Olympics, it, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do, but but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That that you know, it's a and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful and and uh, I mean, we work hard and you know, we we're up against you know the things that nonprofits are up against and you know the you know the issues of the day. But uh, man, you see, it, it, and 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 the inclusion and the at Special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Yeah. Everyone is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of Special Olympics for themselves, I, I, I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um, to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference. How, how do we get, how can listeners get involved in Special Olympics? Ways to get involved? Uh, tons of ways. So uh, volunteers, obviously, coaches, officials, um, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Triver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I'd mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding of, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out, uh, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website, uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that.
Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll uh, talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.